Man, I tell you what, we have some talented folks in our church, don't we? That was so good. You know, we think about, we think about Christmas gifts. We don't always think about the people of God as being those gifts. But we definitely have some Christmas gifts around here at New City Fellowship. And so praise God for that. Praise God for you. Thank you, kids, for leading us in singing today. And Tatiana, thank you for leading us in worship. And Bob, thank you for leading us in that song. And of course, uh, thank our regular musicians, Isaiah and Q, for leading us today. Man, we just have a lot to be thankful for. So as we uh, consider our thankfulness, our gratitude to God, let's go before him now in prayer as we prepare to hear his word proclaimed. Let's pray together. God, we do ask that you would speak. Uh, Give us ears to hear and speak, Lord. We're listening. We want to hear what you have to say to your church today. We want to hear exactly what you have to say to us. So, Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, open our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us in your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. We're concluding our Advent series today, which means uh, we've had this series which we've called uh, Christmas Playlists. And these are the songs that are listed in the Gospel of Luke. So there's four songs in the Gospel of Luke. And today we come to the fourth and final of those songs uh, that were basically a playlist of the original Christmas kind of the OG playlist for Christmas, all right? So we don't have the music for these, but I'm sure they kind of had like different musical styles, different genres. You know, we had uh, probably some, some country on one of those, and we had some, some hip-hop on one of those, and the, the, the songs all have a different genre, maybe classical for one of those songs. I'm not sure what the musical style was, but we have the lyrics. And so uh, I'm not going to sing these songs for you because we don't really know how they went. But today's message is entitled, O Christmas tree. O Christmas tree from Luke chapter 2 verses 29 through 32 and I'll get to the text in just a moment. But the first thing I want to say is this. The wait is over. The wait is over. Now a Christmas tree is actually one of my favorite parts of Christmas. Uh, as far as traditions go and, 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 and man-made, the man-made part of Christmas, the Christmas tree is one of my favorite parts. And I remember as a kid waiting for that day when we could go out and get our Christmas tree. Anybody else remember waiting to go out and get that Christmas tree? And where I lived in Mississippi, uh, we, I had a great uncle who actually had a Christmas tree farm. And it was like an evergreen uh, maze or labyrinth of all of these trees across the, the hillside in the, in the hills of Mississippi. And I remember uh, waiting for that day when we would go out to the Christmas tree farm and we would get to run through that maze, you know, run through all these trees and get to pick out that one tree that, was gonna, that we were going to cut down and bring home to our living room. We'd find a, a, a tree with a good top. That was the most important part to our family was it had to have a good top. Because you had to put that star on the top. And if you know anything about the star, we have a special star at our house that was made uh, by Isaiah uh, when he was in kindergarten. And that's still the same star that we use today. I love it. Love it. It's not Christmas till that star is on the tree. Well, this year, we waited a little too long to get a Christmas tree. 
We waited a little too long, and we didn't realize that there was a Christmas tree shortage this year. And so when our family showed up at Lowe's, because we don't have a Christmas tree farm to go to anymore, we go to Lowe's, and we looked at all the trees at Lowe's, and we were picking out our Christmas tree, we realized that uh, there weren't that many good Christmas trees to choose from. I mean, they were, honestly, it was the scraggly trees. It was the Charlie Brown Christmas trees, and we don't have that much Christmas spirit, okay? I'm, I'm just... I'm just going to put that out there. We don't have quite that much Christmas spirit. So we, uh, we passed on the Lowe's trees, and we said, you know what? I have allergies. I deal with that every year with the Christmas tree. Let's just buy an artificial tree. So we went on to, and I did the math. I'm like, you know, in about three years, this thing will be paid for. And so, uh, so we went online. We ordered from Amazon a Christmas tree, an artificial Christmas tree, pre-lit. You don't have to light the thing, right? I know it's fancy. And it kind of looks like a Christmas tree. All right, it really, actually, it really looks like a Christmas tree, right? It looks. But here's the thing. Bryn had already been waiting for the Christmas tree, and she let us know she was already waiting for the Christmas tree, and it was time. We ordered the Christmas tree, and it was like, it's not going to arrive until right before Christmas. And so then we were waiting even longer for Christmas to get started, for that holiday spirit to kick in. Finally, the tree arrived. It actually arrived, thankfully, a little early. It's a fake tree, but it actually looks pretty good. And we had a great time decorating our Christmas tree. The wait is over. Did you know Laurie, my wife Laurie, uh, lived in Philadelphia? Did y'all know that? She lived in Philadelphia, I believe, was it in middle school? So in middle school, Laurie lived in Philadelphia. Her father pastored a church there in Philadelphia in one of the suburbs. And there was something pretty unique about this neighborhood, okay? In Philadelphia, this was a very Jewish neighborhood. And so Laurie says when she went to school, she was one of the only kids during Passover to have fluffy bread sandwiches. Like all the other kids had the unleavened bread, you know, like in her class. So she was like the one kid or the one of a few who had the the fluffy bread sandwiches uh, during, during Passover. And then in December, in her neighborhood, all the houses in the neighborhood were dark. All the houses in the neighborhood were dark. It wasn't like Orangeburg. Uh, This is in in Philadelphia in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood. And all the houses were dark except for one window at, at the address 42 Scarlet Oak Drive. And that was the address where Laurie and her family, the Ingrams, lived. And that is where their Christmas tree shone out into the darkness, standing as a testimony of their faith in Christ. Isn't that cool? Christmas tree. The wait is over. The wait is over. You know, the Jewish people have waited and were waiting a very long time for the Messiah to come. A very, very, very long time. If you think back of the history of the Bible, you could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, right after everything went south. Right after everything went bad, right after the first people uh, fell into sin like we do, and we would have. But as soon as that happened, God made a promise, and it's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and it says this. It says, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. I need to get an amen for that. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. What was that? It was the first promise that a Messiah was coming. It was the first promise that evil would be defeated. All right? And so that's Genesis 3.15. And so they started waiting. 
Because her, son, her next son was born and he wasn't the Messiah. Uh, in fact, he killed his brother. Right? Uh, so he wasn't the Messiah. And they waited another generation and another generation. They waited until Abraham came. And Abraham put his faith in God that he would get a son. And he gave him a son and he said, I want you to sacrifice your son. And he said, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> I'm going to trust you with this. And then God provides what? A ram. God provides a ram. And God says, you're going to have to keep waiting. Because now we're going to have a ram in the place of the child of promise. And then they waited and they kept waiting. And they waited until their deliverance from Egypt. When the angel of death passed over all of the homes that had what on the doorpost? The blood of the lamb. And they waited and they waited and they waited when they went out into the wilderness. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And they, they practiced the daily sacrifices of the tabernacle and then the temple. And everything was this constant waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come, waiting for death to be defeated. And they waited until they had a king, and they had a good king. His name was David, and he killed a, a, a Goliath. He killed a giant. But then they waited. They thought, maybe he's the one. But then David fell into deep and disappointing and tragic moral failure. And they said, well, he's not the one. He's not the Messiah. And so they waited. They waited through the dark days of the kingdom falling apart. And everything went bad to worse. Everything went from bad to worse. And the prophets came and the prophets said, keep waiting. The prophet said, he's coming. The prophet said, he'll be born in Bethlehem. The prophet said, he's coming and his name is Emmanuel. And the prophets proclaimed this wait, this long wait. And they waited through the prophets in the exile. And they looked forward to the day of the restored kingdom. And as I mentioned a moment ago, some are still waiting today. But let me tell you this, the wait is over. The wait is over. Now our scripture, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32 and verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What was he doing? And the Holy Spirit was upon him. You see, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does consolation mean? That's a weird word. It's like a consolation prize? No, that's not, that's not what it's talking about. The con, the consol, no, not the constellation. That's a good guess. But the consolation means comfort for those who struggle. Anybody need consolation? It's comfort for those who struggle. And so after years and years and years of disappointment, after years and years and years of waiting, many people had given up hope, but not Simeon. You see, Simeon came into the temple every day looking around. He came into the temple every day looking around, looking for the Messiah, waiting for the Messiah to come. Verse 26, God tells us here that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, who were the parents? Mary and Joseph. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. What was, what was going to happen? Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus into the temple. And, and let me tell you something about Mary and Joseph. Uh, they did not have halos, okay? They were not glowing. Mary and Joseph would have blended into the crowd. You, you never would have noticed Mary and Joseph, okay? 
we're just being honest. But why? Because they were poor people. They were common people. They didn't have anything special externally about them. They were just normal people, right? And they're standing in line with their two pigeons because that was the offering for the, for the poor. And so they had their two pigeons or their two turtle doves. They're waiting in line. Nobody notices them. Nobody notices this poor family that God has chosen to bring in the Savior of the world. Nobody notices them except for one person. Simeon. They were standing in line waiting to sacrifice, waiting to, have, uh, to, to, to do what was required in the law of God. But Simeon saw them. Simeon saw them with Holy Spirit eyes. And despite his old age, Simeon ran over to the surprised family. Okay, that's the way I imagine it. He ran over. Have you ever been in a, have you ever seen a flash mob? You know what a flash mob is, right? That's like you're at the mall and suddenly people start singing. And then there's like 30 people singing all of a sudden. Or maybe you're in a parking lot or some other public space and somebody just starts singing. Has anybody ever experienced that in person? You see just a few. Okay, well this is basically what happens. They're at the temple, and all of a sudden, this old guy comes hobbling across the, the, the temple yard, and he starts singing. He bursts out into song. In verse 28, he comes over to these new parents, and it says, He took Jesus up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, or he sang, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Let me read it again. He says, and I wish I could sing it, but I don't know how it goes. But he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The wait is over. The wait is over. Simeon, this old man, this man who had a promise from God, he saw Jesus in a crowd where no one else noticed him. With Holy Spirit eyes, he saw the Messiah. The child who was the fulfillment of all of his hopes and all of his dreams, all of his longings. And while he waited, it says that he had no peace. But then at the very beginning, he says, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. He's saying, now I can go. Now I can die in peace. Some people think he died right there on the spot. They take it too literally. That's not what happened. Okay, But he's saying, now I can. Now I can go in peace. He says this is according to God's word. And he's not just talking about what the Holy Spirit told him. He's talking about that word that we talked about a moment ago that goes back to the exile, to the prophets of old, to the kings, that goes back to the time of the judges, that goes back to the time of the wilderness wanderings, that goes back to the time of Abraham, and that goes back to the time of Adam and Eve. That God had promised his word that he would send a Messiah all the way back from the beginning. That is a long time to wait. That is a long time to wait. And can you feel the relief in Simeon's voice? Can you hear the relief when he takes up the child in his arms and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Finally, we have a Christmas tree. We can set it up. It's a relief. God's people had been experiencing suffering and pain for generations. And look, they were living under an oppressive government at that moment. The Romans were not friendly to the Jewish people. 
In fact, they loved making examples of them and putting them up on crosses. And so God's people were still under the suffering of generations. So Simeon says, he starts this prayer with the word Lord. And that word Lord should be familiar to you because it's the Old Testament word Yahweh. right? But but here's the thing. This word Lord is not that word. It's not Yahweh. It's a different word. It's the word despot. It's different. It's not the word, the normal word for Lord. It's not that. It's the word despot. What's a despot? Well, we think of a despot as someone who has absolute power, right? And usually someone who's cruel and unjust, a despotic leader, right? But in this case, he is saying, Lord, you have absolute power. See, his prayer begins with a a declaration of his faith in God, not just his personal God, but the God of all. The God of every nation, the God of every tribe, the God of every tongue. He says, despot, you are now letting your servant depart in peace. Lord, or sovereign Lord, some translations put it that way. Simeon is swearing allegiance to God as his sovereign Lord. He's swearing allegiance to God because when he does that, he is saying that I, don't, I do not submit to any other Lord. He's saying I do not submit to the, the, the Roman government. I do not submit to the Jewish authorities. I submit to you alone. You are my sovereign Lord. You are my despot. And this is a key point, right? Because we often look to other sources of power to get us through our issues, Right? If we're struggling, what do we look to? We look to money to get us out of our problems. We look to uh, figuring out a solution that's going to wiggle our way into some kind of peace. But what do we not do? We don't trust God. And we don't trust God with our issues, with our problems, but we try to solve it on our own. And how many of us do that? We do it all the time, right? And so Simeon is saying, Lord, you are my sovereign Lord. I am trusting you. And man, what a day. The wait is over. The wait is over. And he invites us into that trust. He says, God has prepared a salvation in the presence of all peoples. And he's singing this in the temple. Now, who's in the temple? Just Jewish people. Right? And he's in there and he's singing, this salvation is for all peoples. And I think he got some people to listen up at that point. They were like, oh, okay, first of all, you're singing you know, in the temple, which is not weird, but it's kind of weird. And then they're coming over there listening, and he says that salvation is for all people. And they're kind of like, what? What? What is this? So they're listening now. Why? Because this idea that salvation is for all people would be offensive. It would be offensive to the other worshipers in the temple. Uh, They might come over to him and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you talking about the Romans? When you say all people, are you talking about the Greeks? When you say all people, are you talking about the Persians? Are you talking about God's enemies? Uh, Simeon, who do you think you are? Are you talking about those people? So Simeon gets more specific. He says, this salvation is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This salvation he's singing about is a light for salvation, for revelation 
to the Gentiles. There you have it, Gentiles. That, that is the word ethnicities. He's saying, ethn- that's the Greek word, ethnicities. All of the people groups outside of Israel are the Gentiles. Most of us in this room, unless you're related to Abraham, are Gentiles. And he says, the long-awaited Messiah has come for you and everybody else. And that message, that song was the first time that God had revealed his worldwide plan to, to Mary and Joseph or to really anybody else. This is the first time that it's been so clear that God has said that this salvation is not just for this people, it's for all ethnicities. It's for every tribe and tongue. And he does it through this old man's song, Simeon. He says your salvation is for everyone. Jesus will be a light to all nations. That means every culture around the world was dwelling in darkness and now they would be invited into the household of God. Now everyone would be offered a seat at the table. And Simeon, this old man who waited patiently for the Lord, he says, this is going to be your glory. He's looking around and he says, he says chill. right? This is going to be your glory. And they're like, glory? No, we don't want to share our God with the world. Right, right. God is for us, not for them. You see, their world was divided into us and them too, just like ours is. Well, I see it, I mean, just it's not just on social media, but especially on social media, you see us and them. Right, them, those people, those white people. Uh, right, the, uh, those black people. Uh, those Latinos. Uh, those... Republicans, those Democrats, those whatever, whatever category the world wants to put you in, Jesus is born into this world as a light to all, a light to all ethnicities, a light to all peoples, all cultures. And this is a point of change. It's going to be called the new covenant. It's going to be called the kingdom of Christ. And so that this hope that this one people have had for so long is now being exploded to the world. That's what Christmas is about. The glory of Israel has arrived, and his name is Jesus. He is the seed of the woman. Amen. He is the promised child of Abraham. Amen. He is the Passover lamb. Amen. He is the fulfillment of every covenant promise. He is the offspring of David. He is the great high priest. He is the final prophet, the very word of God. He is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. He is the glory of God's people. Jesus is... The Messiah, the wait is over. The wait is over. And Simeon sings about it so beautifully. The wait is over. Now let me ask you this. What does this mean for you today? What does this mean for you sitting in these seats today? And what does it mean for me? The scripture says here through Simeon's song, My eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Jerusalem. He was waiting for the comfort. He was waiting for comfort for those who struggle. Do you struggle? Rhetorical question. You see, salvation has now arrived in the flesh. 
Consolation is here. So what are you waiting for? Why is your life and my life, why do we come up against a wall so often where we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's next. It's like we're waiting for something to happen. Right? It's like we're waiting for the, for the ball to drop. It's like we're waiting for, for, for God to speak or do something. And, and Simeon wants to tell you today, your wait is over. It's over. You don't need to wait anymore. Are you waiting for love? Your wait is over. Are you waiting for peace? Your wait is over. Are you waiting for mean? Are you waiting for meaning in life? Your wait is over. Are you waiting for comfort? Are you waiting for your pain to end? Are you waiting for the right time? Are you wait, are, waiting for the right feeling? God wants to tell you today, look, the wait is over. It's over. He has come in the flesh. What are you waiting for? Brothers and sisters, look, the good news is already here. Jesus has already come. And he is the fulfillment of that Christmas hymn that says, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And he's speaking, that, that song's speaking about Bethlehem, right? The, the hopes and fears, hope and fear, right? The good and the bad, all of it is met when Jesus came to earth. All of it was met when that baby was born in that, and laid in that manger. All of your hopes, all of your fears, everything you think you want, you already have in Jesus. Look, Whitney Houston, no offense, she had it wrong. You remember when she said, uh, she said, I believe the children are future. See, I can sing a little Whitney, right? And she sang that song, but that's wrong. The children are not our future. That's an excuse to not do anything and to pass it off to the next generation, if we're being honest. Right? Oh, the children are our future. We don't have to really change anything today. I don't have to really do anything today because the children are the future. Don't lie. That's how we use that. That's how we use that. But here's the thing. Our children are our now. They're present here today. They led us in singing today. Right? Our children are our now, and you are our now. God has put you here now. In fact, the first word of Simeon's song is not Lord. In the, in the Greek language. In English, it's Lord, but you know what it is? Can you put that back up for me? The very beginning of this, verse 28. Or verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant. What's the first word, do you think? No, it's not Lord. Now, it is Lord in English, but not in the Greek. Now! It's now. That's the first word. The first thing Simeon wants to say is now! Let that sink in. What God wants to say to you is, the wait is over. What God wants to say to you is, now. The present. God has given us everything we need now. You don't have to even walk out that door. God has given it to you now. To fulfill His mission and His purpose for you. To give you hope and love and and an everlasting fountain of life. Now. You have it. In Christ. In Christ. This little baby Jesus who grew up to live a good and righteous life, who grew up to be the Savior, who is the Passover Lamb, who is the fulfillment, who is the King, who now is risen victorious over death. Don't even get me started on the resurrection, right? Because now this King is risen. Now, embrace now. 
Stop waiting. And I'm preaching to myself. Stop waiting to do that thing that God has called you to do. Stop waiting. Why? Because Jesus has come and he's here now. The children are not our future. Now. Look no further than Jesus Christ for hope. Look no further than Jesus Christ for love and peace and fulfillment. Because in him, he, he, it's in him. Now. Stop waiting. God has kept his word. All the way back to Genesis 3.15. God has kept his word. The head of the serpent is being crushed. Evil will not have victory in your life. Oppression shall cease. The king is on the throne. He is victorious. And he is, he is offering himself to you now so that you should stop waiting. And that I can stop waiting. God is doing a new thing. I mean, that's the theme of this song, right? He says, he says look, the promise is for you and for your children, Jewish people, and for everyone who's far off. He says it's for the ethnicities. It's for the world. God is doing a new thing. And look, if you look at Twitter, which you shouldn't, but if you look at Twitter, the world is increasingly divided along these lines that we talked about, the ethnic and political lines. There is no love on Twitter. There is no patience on Twitter. There is no hope on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. There is none of that. There is no revelation. There is no light. There is no peace. God is doing a new thing, though. And He's doing it through you. If you're sitting in this room and you're trusting in Christ, He's doing it through you and in you. And through me and in me. So we can stop waiting. We don't have to seek safety in isolation. Or in resegregating ourselves like our communities around us are doing. We're resegregating ourselves everywhere. We don't have to seek our identity in our skin color or in our past or in our job or in our family, in our successes or in our failure, but our identity is in Christ alone. It is. As a believer in Christ, it, 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 we have everything we need in Him right now. We don't have to seek comfort in material things. If you find yourself ticked off like I did the other day and you just want to like scream like I did the other day you got to remember everything I need is in Jesus like I did the other day and what does God do God says hey it's cool just remember what you have in Christ and we do we have to remember that right because we get ticked off <laughs> and we and we get frustrated and, and we want and we get lonely Right? And we get hopeless. But God is constantly telling us, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new th thing. Jesus is the light of revelation to everyone. He is the light of revelation. A light in the darkness. We, we sang about it earlier, right? Light in the darkness. Like that Christmas tree in Laurie's neighborhood. Right? A lot, one light in the darkness. A lot of people waiting for Messiah. And look, there might be lights in Orangeburg. We have a whole rose garden dedicated to it. But that's smoke and mirrors. Okay, because there's a lot of darkness right here in Orangeburg. You know it. And we might put up our Christmas trees, 
But do we really have the light of Christ in us? And the answer, unfortunately, is no. For the most part, no. And so what God wants to do is He wants to take the actual light of His Son, Jesus, in you. And He wants that light to spread out and to shine. And and it's already done. He's already done it. He's already come. Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. In Him, through faith in Him, we have a new life of goodness and truth. In Him, we have forgiveness by His blood. No more guilt, no more shame. In Him, we have a new spirit. In Him, we have salvation that's free. That's by grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. It's free. In Him, we no longer have to prove ourselves with good works. But we are liberated to do good works, to show that we are His. In Him, we live in the light and we get to be the light. As Jesus is in you, and as Jesus, as Jesus is in me, as Jesus is in you, we get to share that light with this community. The wait is over. The wait is over. The wait is over. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that the wait is over. God, help us to believe it. It's so easy to say it. It's so hard to believe it. It's so hard to believe that everything we ever wanted, every hope we ever had, every dream we ever had is fulfilled in Jesus, in his life. God, what a beautiful provision you have made for us to give us consolation, to give us comfort for all of our struggles and mournings. And God, I pray that uh, that, that would be um, manifested in our community here. That we be manifested in our church family. That we would truly see the finished work of Christ in his life and his death, his resurrection. That in him... Every hope and every fear will find its completion in Him. So Lord, would you do that? Would you give it when we deal with whatever issue we're going to deal with today, help us to remember that the wait is over. Lord, when whatever whatever's going to happen today that's going to be difficult, help us to remember that the wait is over. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with faith to walk in faith, to walk in obedience, knowing that everything we need is all we already have in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.